And we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 221, aka season 3, episode 41, uh, coming at you this week. As always, I am your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, along with MC. And since MC's back, why the hell not? Let's do some call-in numbers, because those are always effective. Uh, 303-335-9527, or 303-835-1301. That's 303-335-9527, or 303-835-1301. So you've been gone for quite some time, and we took a week off, because both of us weren't going to be here. Uh, Where have you been, and what have you been up to? Oh, causing chaos in other countries, and other states, and yeah. Having fun. Raising hell. Now, you did go to a uh, libertarian convention in another country, right? True that. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that a little bit and your experience with other, I'm going to say, like-minded individuals for the most part? Because I was off at Porkfest, which was meh. It's, you know, for me, I guess, uh, same people I've been hanging out with, hanging out with on a campground with nasty mosquitoes. But uh, international <laughs> international liberty convention might seem a bit more fun. Yeah, so went all the way to Mongolia. Which is an interesting place. It's like a, a mix of uh, Russia and China, because uh, it's right in the middle there. Prevents the invasion of one to the other? Mm, I don't know if they prevent anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of a smaller population. So there's 3 million people in all of Mongolia. Okay. And 1.5 million of them are in the city of Ulaanbaatar. And uh, so... That's a large yeah, rural population then. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, just think of it as a big country with a, you know, medium sized city uh, right in the middle. And yeah. And so if you want to see civilization, you'll be in the city. If you want to see uh, how they live in the in the country and the, the nomadic lifestyle, then yeah, you just venture outside of the city. Nice. Uh, you don't have to go very far either. You see all the yurts and uh, all the animals grazing uh, on the grass and so, Interesting. Yeah. So they're just sprawled out right outside the city, basically. Yeah. I mean, yeah, at least course. a small por- portion of them. Yeah. Um. So anyway, um, quality of life seemed pretty good. Um, I didn't notice any uh, poverty that you know that not the same type that we would see in in Hawaii. You know, like people living in tents. Even though I guess you can call it your, but it's not really. It's more like a yeah. home, and they're and they're used to it. Uh. So it's like it's like affordable housing, you know. <laughs> um, so I appreciate it. You know, they're not they're not freezing to death. Even I mean, Mongolia is a cold place. Yeah. Um, it was nice when we were there. It's perfect weather because we were there in the summer. So it's really nice out. Um, and you can heat a yurt. You can put like a, a you know yeah a wood fired stove or whatever in a yurt. They they complain about is because people burn coal, so it's kind of bad for the atmosphere and or the the air quality. Uh, but their quality was fine when we were there because it's in the middle of summer and nobody's burning coal. Okay. Um, Who's complaining? Mongolians? Like the city dwellers? Or the international well, yes. media? Uh, people in the city. Um, because there's a concentrated amount of people and if more people are burning coal, then it just, yeah, it messes up the air quality. Okay. Um, so anyway, uh, seemed, it seemed like a, a pretty good quality of life there. Um if we're talking money, though, it's a different situation. So I saw a, a billboard up advertising for laborers. And if you convert it to U.S. dollars, it was like, at the high end, it was like $300 a month. Okay. And at the low end, it's like 120 So, 
Um, yeah, I always so, find those comparisons difficult because it, it right. never takes into consideration expenses and cost right. of living. And so, obviously, if you're living in a yurt, it's uh, much less cost of living. Um, right. But uh, for them, it's still significant, right? So Okay. Um, so even in Mongolia, $300 a month doesn't go very far. Well, I mean... You can make a living, I guess. So okay. it goes it goes that far. I mean, people aren't like I said, people aren't dying on the streets or uh, what do you call it? Um, living impoverished. Yeah, living. I mean, like you compare it to the homeless people here, and it's it's, it's more like a I don't know, like mentally disabled people, uh, you know, living in tents downtown. Uh, anyway, that's the way it seems to me. <laughs> That you're uh, saying that's the poverty, or that's the way that the the Mongolians on three hundred dollars are living? No, no, I'm a little confused. I, I didn't, I didn't see any, any, uh, like any of the any of the stereotypical poverty Homeless. in oh, Mongolia okay. when I was there. That you would so, see in a in that I would in see downtown in Hawaii, Honolulu, for example. Okay, yeah, like I, I, like, uh, like a lot of people would say that the kind of poverty we see in in Honolulu is unacceptable because it's just you know so expensive to live here and so uh prohibitive to to get in housing and uh yeah and so and they so frown upon seem, the tent cities yeah so 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 i think uh maybe maybe there's just maybe there's better options for low income people in mongolia or maybe low income isn't that that much of a isn't that much of a negative stigmatism or, or whatever so Anyway, it seemed like, you know, people in Mongolia don't consider themselves poor. Okay. And I would kind of agree. Like, they're just doing their thing, and uh, life is normal, and that's great. So, Would you attribute some of that to that nomadic lifestyle where yeah, they're not yeah, poor because they have their animals, they, have, they, they can pack up their yurt, and they can travel wherever, you know, wherever the animals can raise, and they can trade? Yeah. Well, that, that's part of it. And then, and then just cost of living is low. Okay. Uh, they do have... I guess a pretty significant welfare system, which uh, people take advantage of. Of course, uh, as they do too, everywhere. They they uh, they have an award for people that have many babies. So if you have four kids, you get you know special award recognition. If you have six babies, you get an extra special award. <laughs> so they they like they're handing out medals to, to, to yes, fertile women. Yes. yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it sounds kind of insane, but I mean, like I said, every culture is different. Are they trying to bolster um, the population, or? Well, yeah, I guess so because Mongolia, like I said, has a very low population. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, so they are trying to do that, um, but it, but it's it's not such a great thing. I mean, if you think about it, um, you know, somebody that that can't afford more kids, having more kids isn't necessarily a good thing. Well, but if it's a welfare if it's a welfare state, then you have more kids, you get more welfare. Sure. So they're benefiting at the detriment of the of the rest of the working population. Right. And it causes inflation and so actually interest rates are good there, but so is the in- inflation is is also high there. So uh, like if you were to 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 make money saving Mon- in a Mongolian bank, uh it might not work out for you cuz you know, by the time you cash out, the inflation might be higher than the m- amount of interest you got. Right. Um, so that that's that's a you know consequence of the welfare state it kind of messes things up. But um, you know, it is what it is. That you know, 
I, I think they're doing fine right now. And they, they did mention that most of that is because, uh, uh, well, their, their economy is based on mining. Okay. Um, so when China doesn't need any more coal, um, that hurts Mongolia. Okay. For example. So it's mostly coal mining. Cause I wouldn't, I yeah, wouldn't associate mining I, with nomadic tribes or that's well, just the, the city dwellers. Right. I'm, I'm just talking about like the, I guess the health of the, the state and the, okay. The, yeah, the over, overall, um, the economy does good when, uh, when they're mining corporations do good. And they're, of course okay. their mining corporations are regulated by the state. So, you know, if you want to mine somewhere, you have to know somebody and pay them off. And, uh, so it's, I mean, there is a lot of corruption there too. Um, so it's typical state. Yeah. Typical state. <laughs> Uh, except, you know, if you're living as a nomad, then, uh, yeah, you could just live real cheap and, you know, mostly free or whatever. Um, so yeah, anyway, it was really interesting. Learned a lot. Um, they're, like I said, they're, they're a mix of a lot of things like, uh, lifestyles. Um, the younger people appreciate, uh, Western culture and they all watch YouTube videos and, uh, nice. listen to, uh, you know, uh, same music and stuff. Um, Have they heard of Billie Eilish? I don't know. I assume so, but <laughs> I just uh, thought I don't. I don't follow pop music, but all of a sudden she's everywhere, and I don't get it. <laughs> so I I don't get it either. <laughs> I I really don't like. She, she's not that talented, but you know, it's it's like it's like one of those things. You know, uh, the 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 kids like what other kids like, and so that's how it spreads and. It doesn't matter. I mean, when I was a kid, it was like, uh, or let's say high school, corn uh, uh, came out. It's like, yep. and the first time I heard corn, I was like, oh, that's weird. But then the second time I heard it and other people said they liked it and I started, I had to listen to it again. I'm like, you know what? Actually, it's really cool. <laughs> and it doesn't matter what my parents thought. <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing it. <laughs> yeah. I, will, I will say this. Uh, having listened to modern pop music and whatever the, the, the kids are listening to nowadays, I definitely have more of appreciation for what uh, my parents listen to. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I really do dig some, like, rock, actual rock and roll and some classic rock and sure. some of the, you know, the pop music from back then. Maybe not disco. Never never got into right, the disco craze. Right, right. Uh, but aside from well, that. My dad said something that was kind of interesting, and it was about um, – the popularity of of the old songs now he would he would hear an old song playing on the radio right now and he said you know back then this song wasn't even that popular and it you know he might be talking about a queen song or you know something and so interesting <laughs> so some of the songs are more popular now than they than they were back when they were released because they're still better <laughs> than whatever they're making today <laughs> arr, arr, or, damn or, kids in their music or some songs just translate better to future generations you know so so yeah. the anti-war protest songs are going to be making a comeback during the next election cycle. Well, I, I would hope, but I, I, <laughs> it's really weird. Like the anti-war thing, it just I it hasn't been around since uh, since Bush, I guess. I know, know? right? Just, that's strange. But we'll see. I don't want to get too much into politics uh, right off the bat, but uh, you know the the Democrats had their debates, oh, and no. and apparently, apparently. Um, apparently the, Trump won. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the big, the big news, I don't, I'm, this is the thing I don't understand about, um, at least the libertarian community here, 
right, is that everyone's got a hard on for Tulsi Gabbard or right. Gabbard or however <laughs> you do it. And coming out of the first debate, right, her numbers like spiked right. uh, as far as what people were interested in post debate. So, you know, maybe maybe they see something. I'm still not I'm not bought in and I probably never will be. Um, but it's, no, it was we, definitely we an interesting either. result. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was the other interesting thing coming out. It's like, you know, the, it was the, I had a, I had two conversations, one at Porkfest, one following Porkfest, um, about like the do nothing movers, right? The people that moved for the free state project, signed the statement of intent, moved all the way to New Hampshire just to not do a goddamn thing about anything. Right. Oh, do you, you going to go to the Capitol? Nope. You going to gonna go sign with? Nope. You going to get someone? Nope. You going to come out to the social event? Nope. They just, they move and they do nothing. Um, and apparently that's, you know, quite prevalent. And I was like, well, I'm probably a do nothing mover, right? Cause I just, I, you know, I don't want to be involved in what you guys are doing. Like, I don't, I don't see that as like the path to freedom. So why would I put my energy there? Like I put my, I put my energy where I believe the the path to freedom goes. Um, and you would say do nothing because I don't vote. I don't contribute to candidates. I don't protest. I don't go and testify down at Capitol Hill and city hall. And I don't sign wave and I don't, you know, promote candidates. Like, Cause no, that's all, that's all in the system. Nonsense. You know, let me know when there's a group to start tar and feathering tax, you know, tax collectors, and then maybe I'll be a do something guy. But until we get to that point, <laughs> un- until we're there, like I'm just going to sit back and let you guys try. Like, I, <laughs> see, I I hate to bring this to the violence thing, but I was also at dinner the other night, and the same thing, right? And I was like, at what point can we stop with all this nonsense, right? You tell me, right? You tell me how many election cycles we need to go through before it's okay to escalate the violence, right? You tell me if you say four election cycles. Right. Give it 16 more years of like, we've have to try it because it was the point was like, well, we have to make sure we exhaust all of our other options before we go this route. It's like, okay, you tell me 16 more years, four election cycles. If, if that's what you need, right? You need, you need four election cycles to like, to come to the conclusion that you've exhausted all your options. And I go, okay, so we got, you know, 16. Now, if that were the case 16 years ago, have we not already reached that point? Right. Like, was, is it, have we made improvements over the last 16 years where we can say in another 16 years, woof, we, we're going to get there? Like, probably not. You know, so why are we going to wait until it's probably going to be too late? You know, when they, when the, the Second Amendment is done for and they've collected all the guns and they've taken away all the rights and like now it's okay to escalate because now it's really bad and we're no longer in a position to do so. And even one of the guys, you know, sitting, it was an older gentleman is like, yeah, I'm, you know, I, I'm not able to fire a rifle like I used to. Like, I'm just, you know, my, my physical ability has waned over the last years that we've been waiting. So like <laughs> you, t- the, the, my point was like, you tell me uh, when we can go ahead and do something different and then maybe I'll be a do something kind of guy. Um, so yeah, I, I wanted to get that out there, but I didn't want to detract from the, from the Mongolia thing. Cause I did have one more question. Um, and maybe some follow-up questions about it. Now you've been to this uh, international liberty conference, and you also went to the one in Poland. Um, so my question for the Mongolian one is: at the conference itself, was it uh, was it heavily geared towards 
the freedom movement in Mongolia, or that just happens to be where it's being held? Like, what was your experience of the local Mongolian yeah. freedom movement while you were there? Well, that that just happens to be where it was held. Um, there happened to be uh, a, f- a few people that are really interesting that also believe in in free markets, and that that was one of the, one of the main ideas was just. Uh, and, and another idea was uh, about the talking about the corruption in Mongolia, but a lot of it was just the the normal uh, uh, repeat type of uh okay spe- speeches um that that uh, are just broad, broad uh talking about government and immigration and okay uh, but being local to the area yeah. being local yeah. to the area doesn't bring out the locals who are like oh my god you know we, oh, there, we've had to keep is, this on the underground okay uh but not 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 like oh we have to keep this on the, on the underground um yeah uh there was something interesting that happened so there there's a north korean embassy in <laughs> in mongolia and that's an interesting so, place so of course they have some type of treaty with the the government right and they would uh, have to so someone wanted to protest out in front of the north korean embassy which would have been okay um except that one of the protesters dropped some some anti-North Korea pamphlets inside of the embassy's uh, uh, front yard, like through the fence. Okay. So it it landed on basically North Korea. Okay. Uh, North Korea was not happy about that. Um, This was someone from the conference that wanted to go protest? Is that just to be clear? They they had a group of people. Um, And so so it landed over there. Uh, They got upset. Uh, The police uh, started like randomly talking to people that were around and they got scared and they started talking to the police. And that was the, that was a bad idea. <laughs> like talking to the police was like, Hey, if, it, if the police ask you something, like just let's, don't say anything <laughs> or, or throw them off. Be like, Oh yeah. It was the guy in the, in the purple t-shirt that ran that way. <laughs> yeah. Know? I didn't see, I didn't see a thing and that's not my pamphlets. Right. Um, and so, yeah, they were talking to the police, and then the police uh, started tracking down uh, the, you know, the person who did it, and uh, he ended up sitting in prison for a few days as they were, you know, processing him. And okay, this is the, Mongo- the Mongolian police, though. Yes. So yeah. not as bad as being arrested by the North Korean, and then well, there's, North there's Korean. no way that would have happened. I mean, well, uh, they're on the embassy, and they can they well, can. He- he wasn't he wasn't on the embassy he, he was okay. outside the fence uh so the north koreans aren't like you know running around or whatever sure um, but if they have a treaty with mongolia and it's a you know whatever he's doing is a crime in north korea right they could theoretically extradite him to north korea for the crimes they, he committed yeah, on could. the embassy yeah of course yeah um and so that was the fear is that that uh you know somebody's going to get paid off and and they're going to make an example of him, but uh, no, nothing happened. So, okay. long story short, they um, they told him the guy that that was uh, part of that protest that dropped the pamphlets said, you know, okay, we caught you. Your punishment is that you can never come back to Mongolia for five years. Oh, that's not too bad. And he's like, yeah, probably wouldn't have come back anyway. So. <laughs> Um, should have he should have played it up then? No, please, no, anything yeah, but exactly. I, I, let me I back would, into Mongolia. 
I would I would have played it all up just just to give them you know the credit due you know yeah like, like oh yes you guys are so powerful and and I'm 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 so hurt by this yeah, I would <laughs> definitely um but yeah even as nice as Mongolia was um he won't be able to go back uh, so um but yeah so anyway that that was really interesting and you know it was brave but the the way they handled it was kind of stupid they didn't they didn't plan very well how they were going to get away with it um so everything turned out good uh, in the end nice i forget uh similar line of questioning um i forget who i was having this conversation with but it it brought up the we're talking about the whole um non-aggression principle axiom and how that relates to like a trespass or whatever and the the question that i brought up was like well whose property is it right if like if a if a if some kid kicks a ball into your yard right and it was like if if they don't try to retrieve it then it becomes your property but if they try to retrieve it then you know you're an asshole for not giving it back but you still have no obligation to return it um, and I'm like, well, okay, so what if they then, you know, knowing that it's their property, you know, and that you're in possession of it, and, you know, trespass and break in to reobtain the property, you know, who's, you know, who's in the wrong there and how would you, how would you adjudicate that? Um, and I, man, I wish I remembered who I was talking to. Uh, but they basically said like, yeah, you're, you're, you're an asshole, um, but you have no, the, you, under the, uh, under the non-aggression axiom, you have no right, you know, no obligation to return the property. Um to the, to the original owner, because it, you, you know, you've basically gifted it to them by kicking it into the yard or whatever. Um, and so it was interesting when you brought up, you know, dropping the pamphlets in North Korea, right? It's like, well, if you, if you drop it in North Korea, then whose pamphlets are they, right? If, if it's just a gift to the North Korean embassy and you don't really, <laughs> you don't really want it back, um, you know, have you, have you, have you committed a trespass? Have you, you know, have you littered onto their property? Like what would, what would that offense be? And, you know, if they, you know, if they decided not to give you your pamphlets back, are they, are they then stealing it? You know, interest, just a uh, thought experiment there. Like what would, what would that guy, what did that guy would have been charged with, you know, for, for dropping the pamphlets over the fence or through the fence accidentally be? I guess littering. Pamphleteering. Littering. That's five years or, hard labor. Or propaganda or whatever i mean they could make up anything they want that's the weird cover. fear yeah yeah the the the, the propaganda is probably probably the worst because there are people that what smuggle like usb drives into north korea because they can't they have no real internet that can get to right. the outside so everything gets you know airdropped or smuggled in on a usb and hopefully hopefully the citizens of north korea start taking a liking to freedom and fight back against their corrupt government and depose their dictator yeah so the way they do it right now is uh in in bags of rice nice yeah uh, or bottles of rice i'm sorry they take use plastic bottles fill them up with uh with, with rice and also put a usb stick in there nice uh, and i was i always look at north korea as like the worst the worst case scenario but also the best case scenario for as bad as things are the people don't revolt, right? And maybe it's the North Korean culture. Well, no, it's it's not that. It's it's when, so China mastered it, right? So when you when you make the the citizens also the the police the 
so if a citizen is going to report on somebody, they might get some, you know, small personal gain out of it. Uh, but um, that that's really like end game is, is when you can't trust your neighbors, you know. Sure. And they, they also criminalize basically anything like, uh, uh, you know, being, um, you know, uh, successful in any way was considered a bad thing. And so... Uh, so you couldn't. There was no way to get ahead, and you wouldn't want to because you'd you'd be uh, you know you could you could be killed for it. Sure. Um, so on on a on a small level here, how was that not the same, right? Because I in North Korea or same? well, as that Chinese model in some forms has made its way here to the United States. Um, not I don't, not entirely because piecemeal. Uh, most people don't like I can tell people oh I smoke pot nobody's going to uh, turn me in for smoking pot without a, a license right maybe true but I did I I don't know if I didn't get to this article on this show or when I was on free talk live but I did happen across it during my show prep um, there's there's a now an, uh, an app like a mobile app in DC that allows citizens to issue parking tickets to other citizens Mm. right like yeah. the citizens are doing the work of police and narking on their fellow man right I wonder, fellow how, citizen. I wonder how popular that is i don't know because it's it's relatively new it's a new idea yeah but you know it will it will spread right and with the what was it the, you know the, well, the backyard betty and whatever if, all those if there's if there's some economic incentive to do it yeah sure like if you say Please. oh you get you'll get five dollars for every ticket you write um and that that's valid and that that people end up paying for and not taking to court uh then then yeah a whole bunch of people will start doing it um or just the nosy neighbors who go like you know sure. who look out their window and go oh that car has been parked there for more than three minutes i'm gonna write a ticket on my app you know we i think we have enough of those people there's enough video evidence of of nosy people floating around mm -hmm. you know harassing others you know for for non-crimes and then now you give them the power to to determine whether a crime has been committed <laughs> and you're saying that you know that's that's the chinese model and may not be the exact same thing here right but it's definitely on the path right it's it's definitely oh yeah in the I, same I, vein i mean I, I don't think anything is getting better for sure but yeah um yeah it's, i mean it's scary i mean the 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 new chinese model is even scarier i mean they made a the social uh, credit yeah made yeah. a movie about that <laughs> See, and even, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to bring up the, I don't want to bring up the race issue or the race card. Um, but I will say it's, I want to say common knowledge or at least common enough to, to not be a racist statement to say that black culture frowns upon being educated, right? That, you know, that it's, 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 I've heard it described as acting white to want to be successful or to be educated in school. Right, and that to be street smart. Yeah, well, that's right. It's it's a relatively new new thing. Um, that makes it worse because that means it's headed in that direction. If it wasn't a thing no, before, well, I mean, I, I I understand that, but I mean that that happened. It doesn't happen just in black culture either. Again, making it worse. Right? Yeah, you, you you so you have a population that's being trained to narc on itself. See something, say something was then, and now it's here. You go write your own ticket, and 
being educated is frowned upon and being, you know, in hive mind with the dumbed down collective is, you know, what makes you cool or popular, right? right? <laughs> it It's, it's the Americanized version of what you're just describing as the Chinese model, even though sure. it's happening in segments of the population and not yeah. by the one big overarching government. It's, so that's, it's so that's insidious. One of one of the themes that that happens every uh, uh, inter, uh, Liberty International Conference is the idea that these these types of things happen in uh, in cycles. Um, so basically, if you if you have a more free market economy that is successful for a while, uh, then it becomes easy and people become complacent. And because oh, yeah. of that, then people think things should be free and then be- things become free. And then all of a sudden things become hard to get. And then, uh, you know, collapse happens and then people uh, want freedom again eventually. So, yeah. Um, hard it, t- hard it, times make uh, great men. Great men make easy times. Easy times breed weak men. Weak men bring about hard times, and the cycle repeats. Right, right. Um, so that's kind of where I, I see the U.S. heading, and and maybe one of the reasons why the U.S. has been successful for as long as it has is because it's been slowly getting worse. Like we had, uh, you know, pretty good. Uh, system and then it's been slowly getting worse and more socialized over time um, we've had a long period of pretty good times like not hard not too easy sure eh, yeah, yeah. okay just kind of just kind of creeping along um so that seems to be an, an advantage um in in the cycle um so my, my point is is i was thinking about okay maybe i should focus all my energy into getting like uh, a new constitution written in venezuela that's better than the u.s constitution you know one that basically the only thing they care about is uh private property and uh individuals uh rights um so if that existed how long would it last well it would last long enough for everything to get really great and then for people to go, well, since we have everything, why shouldn't everything be free? And then it would just immediately collapse like it did um, because that's what happened. Venezuela was one of the best places in the world uh, for a short amount of time. And then they let it, you know, slip away. Um, so. So can we correlate that to the old Thomas Jefferson quote then that says the tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time, et cetera, et cetera? Sure. But Meaning that we can't let the the easy times create uh, it's, weak. It's men. already happened, though, as far as I'm concerned. Like, well, because I mean, we let it go for over two hundred years with no refreshing. Well, well, true. So, but what <laughs> what point was that? And to me, the point I don't was know. well, I I, I whiskey always, rebellion. Okay, yeah. I mean, there's lots of points, but to me, it was the bank or the the money issue. It's like the creation uh, of the Federal Reserve, 1913. When they, you know, banned gold, <laughs> you know, it's like, what? How okay. can you do that? You guys are crazy. Uh, but they did it anyway, and they didn't revolt. You know, they're like, okay, yeah, dollars are good enough. Yeah, well, that's part of the North Korean thing. Is it? It can get that bad without a revolution. Oh yeah, right, sure. Like so, so all the people going like, well, we can we can incrementally make things better. Meanwhile, things are getting incrementally worse. Right. Like the incrementally worse gets all the way. To North Korea, right? Like it will get yeah. that bad, and then you're stuck 
for a yeah. long period of time because there's no way to do. Then you're waiting for fucking rice bottles with USB drives <laughs> in it to find out what's going on in the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah. Can we not let it get that far? Okay, like four election cycles? Can we call it? Can I can I make that declaration now? You get four election cycles. Well, I don't I don't think you're gonna get a consensus on on when to revolt. So uh, I think it's better just do what I do, worry about myself and like if you have to leave, you have to leave. I mean, if it gets bad yeah. enough, just be like you guys are crazy, I'm leaving. Uh, that's what it's gonna come down to. And it might. And I'd like I'd like a, a place that is better than the U.S. to go to, and that's why I that's why I thought about getting involved in Venezuela because, really, it's like I think Lee, Lee Schoolin talked about that in her uh, presentation uh, that it's it's not so much uh, the the people that are poor it's they it's the people that live in a an area controlled by a bad government that that makes them poor. Um, so, yeah, if 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 the if the government changed or disappeared out of venezuela and people were free to uh you know capitalize however they want um then it would boom like almost immediately within 10 years they'd be back on top again yeah because the the people who want to do better with the entrepreneurial mindset will be the ones flourishing and you know rising all boats being the tide that and all all the people that all the people that left would come back maybe they they may have found greener pasture elsewhere you know stay it away because it, it might be a risk to come back right like again on a, on a small scale um when i was when my lease expired at my apartment in honolulu um it was it caught me off guard it was a surprise right i did not see that coming because i was a tenant for like nine years and then a few months after uh that they the landlord called me up and said okay it's all better now you can come back do you want to rent again i was like i don't think so i you know <laughs> You fool me once, and that's all you get. Like I'm not, I'm not playing just George Bush fool me how many ever times. So it may be that the people who left Venezuela, you know, for for economic, you know, reasons or personal reasons or seeking greener pastures elsewhere, don't want to risk going back um, and having that government turn the same way, mm-hmm. right? I'm I'm sure Lee could speak to that as well. You know, witnessing what's going on in the United States compared, not as an extreme, but what you know what she went through in communist China. Right. Like, you know, I don't uh, let's not do that again. Right. Let's not go yeah. down that path. We, I've seen it once. I don't want to see it again. There's a reason. Right. Even though China is on the upswing, she doesn't e- go back to live. Even in even in Syria, though, uh, I don't know what percentage of people are coming back. But uh, when Trump announced that they were uh, basically going to get rid of ISIS, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of people did end up going back to Syria. So. Um, I think people want to live in the, where you know they're, where they consider home. Um, sure. I, I get that there's that nostalgic factor, right? That uh, what is it? Uh, homesickness, right? That you know th- this is where I grew up, so this is where I want to be, and this is where I want to end, and right. But the, even the people going back to Syria, uh, you know, they don't know, they don't know what the future holds, and what if they're wrong? Oh, sure. Right, but what if oh, what yeah. if the bombs keep dropping and ISIS goes nowhere, right? And then like you know they they migrated to and fro, and then now what? Are, are they stuck there now because they've exhausted all their resources? Can they get out again? And would they go back? Would they be so naive to go back again? I don't think so. I wouldn't. <laughs> That's folly, right? Even even 
even now, right, like having moved away uh, from Hawaii for the Free State Project, but whatever, when when normies off the street ask me, like, why I moved, I just say the New Hampshire Advantage, right? And most people here that aren't necessarily liberty-oriented or freedom-oriented, they just, you know, the regular people that have lived here their whole lives or whatever, um, maybe come up from Massachusetts for work, right? You go like, oh, the New Hampshire Advantage. And they go, oh, yeah, okay, I get it. Like, it's... It, it's a good enough of a phrase now um, where it's relatively understood, right? And so people go like, well, don't you ever want to go back to Hawaii? I go, no, not at all. Like, <laughs> never, <laughs> never. I probably will, right? Because I do have friends and family there, right? But I would, I would rather figure out a way to get those friends and family to move here for the same reason, right? The New Hampshire Advantage. Um and, you know, just make that, make, make that how we stay close, right? You know, you come here because it's so stupid there that I don't want to go there, right? Once you realize <laughs> how good it is here, you know, and I'll fucking, I'll buy you a jacket, man. I will buy you a jacket. Okay, you just well, come that's, here. <laughs> that's the first time I've heard you ex- explain New Hampshire that way. So, all right. <laughs> the New Hampshire good. advantage? <laughs> that, uh, well, it sounds like you're enjoying it. So. I am. Uh, completely. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it it okay. And I will admit, like, we went out to dinner tonight, um, and it was a Japanese restaurant, and it wasn't as good as the Japanese food in Hawaii. Sure, but uh, okay. So what? You know, um, the the friends that we went out to to dinner with, they also noticed the the lack of good cuisine here. Um, they're from uh, Kansas, Kansas City, I think Missouri, um, and you know. So, but the the way they work around is like they're watching YouTube videos on how to cook better cuisine, like all the you know all the international cuisine that they enjoyed, that was in abundance where they moved from, um, that is sorely lacking here. And part of the discussion was well, the this the culture here just doesn't have the palate for spicier cuisine because they're not used to it, right? It's just not you know. And even if you could bring that spicier cuisine here. Um, it's possible that they wouldn't even take off because they would not be able to recognize the difference, number one, or care enough to pay the premium for it, number two. Um, so yeah, there, there, are, uh, there are other reasons, you know, there, there are definitely, it's not all upside, I guess is what I'm saying. There, there are some downsides um, to being here, but the advantages far outweigh that, right? Because if you want good, you know, if you want good Thai cuisine, well, guess what? Now you have a project, you can learn how to make good Thai food. And just right. import the ingredients however you can, um, but yeah, I mean, I you know, I'm I'm enjoying it to that point where, you know, aside from like oh the beautiful weather and you know whatever, uh, you know, I, like I said, I was up at Porkfest campground, no beach, no problem for me. Got got a sunburn that I haven't gotten in a long time, so it's like oh look at that, it burned. You know, sunscreen <laughs> the next day. Uh, you know, <laughs> but I just you know, it's it's I don't I, I guess again what I'm saying is I don't want to. I don't want to go back where it was worse than where I'm at. And I think, I think on a, on a macro level, um, the citizens of the world who are being displaced uh, for economic reasons or cultural reasons or uh, military reasons, as in much of the case with you know, Syria, um, why they would choose to go back uh, to a worse case than, you know, to, to, a, to a worse environment than they left simply because they're homesick for that, you know, political designation that they call home, um, to me is silly, 
right? I mean, if, if there's if there's opportunity to go back to, sure, fine, you know, by all means, um, have at it. You know, if you're the if you're the entrepreneurial spirit and you go like, we can rebuild this, and I I can get you know filthy fucking rich doing it, uh, by all means, give it a, give it your best shot. But if you're just going back, you know, because oh, this is the rubble where my house used to be, and you know, they said they're not going to bomb anymore, so we're going to rebuild. Um, I think that's nonsense and foolish. <laughs> Well, I'm not going to judge them. I don't really care why they go back. I'm just saying a lot of people do. I'm sure they do. Uh, you know, I then I will sit as judge because uh, that's another thing I don't mind doing. I do not mind passing judgment, right? Like this is this is something that I, I think we covered um, either on the air on Free Talk Live or during the break. Was I am I am not above uh, judgment, and I am not necessarily above prejudice prejudgment because. I recognize that in a lot of cases, the judgment and the prejudgment had uh, life or death uh, consequences to it, right? The, the, the prejudice is a shortcut to actual judgment because sometimes you don't have enough time to talk to the tiger and to talk to it and see whether it's going to attack you, right? You go, fucking tiger has claws. I'm going to go this way as a prejudgment, you know, as opposed to, well, let's see what really happens, and then I'll form a, a valid conclusion based on the evidence of, oh, there, go, <laughs> there goes my arm. I guess I should have ran. You know, that that kind of thing. So yeah, humans easier, will always be easier, judging. It's easier to assume all cops are, are assholes and trying to put you in a cage and to not talk to them. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a fucking great example. Thank you. It's easier to assume that. It's easier to assume that up front and save yourself, you know, the, the pain and suffering of getting arrested, possibly beaten or killed and just keep your mouth shut and not interact with those people to the best of your ability. Right. Um, now again, if you're, if you're out there doing cop block activity and protesting and yelling at the cops, you know, by all means have at it. Right. But I, I would not be surprised if that ends badly, uh, for the simple <laughs> reason that they can get away with it and have in the past. Right, I I choose that I I choose not that activism for safety reasons. Right, they don't bother me. I don't bother them. Um, if they're bothering you and you want my help, fine, we can talk. You know, we you can hire me for services or whatever. Um, and if they start to bother me, well, then I'll escalate. Right, maybe not to the point of where I'd like to, um, but I definitely you know with all the court situations that I've been in, it's definitely you've already ruined my day. I'm going to make sure that you remember who I am, and this is the worst day you've ever had on the bench or, you know, outside the window of a traffic stop, right? This, this is, I want this to be the traffic stop that you remember the most that you take home to your family and your friends and talk about over your little fucking summer barbecue about that one asshole, me, uh, that just wouldn't give up, you know, the, you know, and, and bow down to your authority on the side of the road, right? I, all I did was ask him to roll down the window and he just wouldn't do it. You know, what an asshole. Doesn't he know I'm just trying to do my job? Yeah, I don't care. I really don't care. You do your job. I'll do mine. My job is to resist you as passively as possible so that you remember just who in the hell I am uh, if we ever meet again. But prejudice, definitely there, right? ACAB, all cops are bastards, period. End of discussion. Uh, and, if you know, if you're, if you're the good cop, um, you know, and you're the, you're the nice guy cop, um, and yet you see all this going on, and you do nothing about it. Um, you know, I think, uh, I don't remember the exact quote, but Robert Higgs, um, his thoughts on it are, you know, right. There's no such thing as a good cop because if, you know, by default, their job is to enforce the law and the laws are by nature bad. 
And if your job is to do bad things, regardless of whether or not it's your job, um, you're part of that group. You're, you're getting prejudged by me as part of that group. Um, and yeah, there, there are no good cops. Anything else? I, feel like I don't know. What, what else is new? <laughs> I don't know. Do you want to do headlines? I got a sure. bunch. We can, we can pick and choose now. That we're... All right. Ute headline. It's been a while since I can do that. Headline. Utah karaoke and axe throwing bars are using pool tables to circumvent stupid liquor laws. Headline. Oh, you might like this one. FDA declares open war against Kratom by colluding with Indonesian government to ban its cultivation and export. Uh, headline, black markets reveal the power of economic laws. Uh, headline, oh, maybe this one too. Uh, why presidential primary debates make us dumber. Oh man, there's a bunch of good ones. Headline, Hawaii governor plans to veto asset forfeiture reform bill claiming abuses don't occur. Spoiler, they do. Uh, headline, outrageous New York man arrested facing felony charges for defending his own home. Headline, what does voluntary actually mean? Headline, Detroit police arrest a city-commissioned artist because he didn't have a permit. Uh, headline, what Murray Rothbard could teach Bernie Sanders about rights. And finally, headline, why don't millennials care about gold? Well, actually, they do. Any of those jump out at you? Uh, millennials don't care about gold. Millennials? Yeah, they yeah. do. So do they? I I don't know. Oh, we'll I say. guess yeah, millennials are kind of older now, so Okay. <laughs> Is that the excuse? See, that's the weird thing, right? Like I'm <laughs> I'm on the I'm on the cusp of millennial and like I'm old compared to like when I describe millennials, it's the people like half my age. And I don't know if those people have their own generation yet. So they get grouped into mine. Um, and we're so different. It's ridiculous. I think we hashed out the discussion. I think technically, uh, I'm in like, I'm, I'm a tweener. Like I'm in the middle of gen X and the millennial generation. So I'm like, I'm a zennial and that's broken down as, uh, uh, analog childhood, digital adulthood, I guess, mm. where we, we remember VHS, but also know how to use an iPad. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. Why don't, and okay, so the reason I brought this article, um, it's from Shift Gold, because there is nobody out there more opposed to Bitcoin than <laughs> Peter fucking Schiff. <laughs> <laughs> well, his business is selling gold. So I understand that. That's surprising. It's not surprising, but for someone with a reputation for like, you know, being, uh, being able to predict the financial future in a lot of things, for him to be so adamant that digital that digital currency is not the future is bizarre and to watch him double down on every prediction he's made uh, regarding you know cryptocurrencies in general in favor of gold while watching uh, cryptocurrencies outperform gold in the short term right like if you're an investor you go like well short term games can be can be significant and, you know, maybe you hold on gold for the long-term future, but also, like, you know, put a little bit into this crypto thing because it could take off in the short term and you can get a, make a bunch of money before you get out and then, but also have your gold savings, right? Like, that would be, I would say that would be sound financial advice. And he goes, nope, 
doesn't matter if you can get a thousand percent gains in two weeks. This is not what you want to do right now. Bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah. is basically what he says over and over and over again. So, yeah. why don't millennials care about gold? Actually, they do from Ship Gold. Do millennials get gold? If you embrace the stereotype, you may think not. After all, millennials have both feet firmly planted in the digital world. Gold is pretty old-fashioned. You might assume they would be far more interested in cryptocurrencies. Or perhaps you just figure millennials aren't investing at all. But as it turns out, the millennial generation seems to be just as interested in gold as their parents. The World Gold Council cites an informal study it did in 2016, surveyed 8,000 retail investors, 2,000 each in China, India, U.S., and Germany. When asked how they would invest $1,000, millennials showed the same preference for gold as older investors, and they were far more interested in physical gold, with 16% saying they would buy gold coins or bars. About 6 said they would opt for gold-backed financial products such as EFTs, ETFs, excuse me. Uh, German and Indian millennials showed the greatest affinity for gold, with 19% in each market opting for physical metal. A more recent global investment survey by Leg Mason showed the U.S. millennials were the most likely age group to view gold as an attractive investment. 34% of millennials picked gold as one of their top three best opportunities over the next 12-month period. That compared with 23% of the overall population. In an article published by Kitco News, Lobo Tiger, Tiger, Tiger? made some interesting points. He said, at the end of the day, what really matters is that gold is valuable. Millennials know this as well as anybody. As he put it, millennials are quite used to the idea that gold has tangible value. It's deeply entrenched in most cultures around the world. It's in our movies and books. It's in our wedding rings and gifts. He made another interesting point. Gold is used as money in many of the games millennials play. In other words, like the generation before, millennials have been immersed in a world that values gold. Even Bitcoin, the cryptocurrency many consider a rival to gold, is often depicted as a gold coin with, this, with some high-tech marketing. Uh, Tigra speculates that cryptos aren't really a threat to gold. They actually threaten to undermine the fiat currency system. The crypto craze is destroying faith in fiat currency among younger people. They do get the implications of infinite money printing. Bitcoin's inflation-proof nature is one of its main selling points. It may be well that when all is said and done, it's paper money that gets dropped, not gold. Uh, end of the article. Uh, now, I, I will throw this to you, but I will say I'm not really impressed with the, the percentages that they used in the article. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not either. And <laughs> okay. another thing, okay, so they were talking about other countries, and yes, in other countries, they, they probably are... Well, especially India. I mean, they're, they're they definitely value gold there, but it's not just coins. I mean, it's in there. Uh, it's it's standard for them and, to yeah. have have jewelry and necklaces and stuff. So, um, what really matters isn't what they say in a survey; it's what they do. And most of them are not buying gold. Um, very few people are are. I mean, I've I've done it. I've bought gold from. Uh, I think it was Kitco, and uh, and the process went good, and it, you know they shipped it in the mail, and so not a problem with anything. But uh, it's actually the physical uh, part of gold that that makes it hard to use. Um, 
So, so its big, biggest attraction is also its biggest detriment? Exactly. Um, if you compare it to Bitcoin, it's like Bitcoin is just a much better way to do business. Um, it's, it's better money. Um, it might not last as long as gold. I think gold will be around forever. I don't think cryptos are ever going to destroy gold. But okay. they, but they might be uh, a better way of uh, uh, accounting how much you know value you have uh, compared to everybody else. You know, if eventually, if if more people are about, uh, declaring how much value they have and uh, by the amount of bitcoins they have, um, I could see that uh, a lot more than uh, how many ounces of gold they have. Let's talk about that for a second, because this is. This is where I I have trouble analyzing the cryptocurrency predictions. Is I don't I don't know how many of like the early early adopters like the the people have been in there for what like ten years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bitcoin because it it's two thousand nine, so either ten years or, or approaching that mark, right? Are sitting on thousands of Bitcoin, right? Mm-hmm. right. And in my mind, I go well. If they're sitting on thousands of Bitcoin, that means they're you know the the a trillionaire could be out there. Sure. And I find it difficult to believe that the I find it difficult to grasp the concept that the first trillionaire um, is some some techie kid who had a hundred bucks you know back in two thousand eight, right or two thousand nine, right like that. It's, it seems to me that if, if there's a handful of people sitting on that much uh, Bitcoin, right, that there's no way the price approaches seven figures. Maybe six, right? We're talking off the air. Well, six you is also a possibility. Have to understand that a lot of the Bitcoin that uh, that those type of people have, most of them, like if they if they had it at a dollar, they sold at twelve, and then they tried to get back in at a hundred, and then it went to. 250 then they got in and then it dumped to 100 and then they lost all that value so i mean there's the idea that some some of them had a lot early doesn't mean they have a lot now okay most i mean if you go by a stat like 90 percent of people are just bad traders and bad with money okay uh, then the, the chance of one of those people becoming a trillionaire sure okay fine uh but there's another part of that too uh that person most likely is never going to spend all of it or even a large portion of it. It's, it's, Especially they're, they're, if they get to the trillion dollar mark. That's a lot of spending. They're, they're going to be someone like, uh, you know, Warren Buffett is just like, like, this is what I do and I don't care to spend it because this is my game and I'm winning it. And so, um, so a lot of the Bitcoin is being held by people that never intend to spend it unless they have to. Um, okay. So that's that's another thing you have to look at, and and it's and it's being held the same way gold is. Like most people that buy gold don't intend to spend it. It's just something to hold value. Um, now, it when it does go up a whole bunch, of course, there's a big incentive to dump some of it uh, at, at its uh, peak and, uh, sure. and take advantage of that. But at a certain point, um, you take they're going to take out some and they're not going to even need to take out the rest. So it's just a lot of it's just never going to get spent. So, yeah, I think, I think, yes, we're going to see trillionaires. Uh, but what the other part of it is we're also going to see the, the dollar fail uh, eventually. Um, I can't 
put a time on it because uh, most people that make predictions about that are usually wrong. Uh, Ron Paul, but <laughs> <laughs> for forty-five um, years, the failure is right around the corner. Yeah, <laughs> hyperinflation right around the corner for forty-five so, goddamn years. So, uh, so yeah, I'm not going to make any predictions about that, but uh, but probably it'll happen someday, and then. Um, it, it'll be good to have cryptocurrencies not only as a store value, but also uh, to create liquidity when needed. So through like if you using altcoins, for example. Um, so as as long as somebody's able to create uh, money or some some way to put a value on something uh, digitally, and uh, maybe even with contracts like Ethereum or something, then then there there will always be liquidity in the market. So, so with cryptocurrencies, we could actually prevent the next, uh, you know, Great Depression or worldwide Great Depression, if there if such thing is a po- is possible anymore. Would you would you say that the the people who have so much that they'll never spend it um, would put deflationary pressure on the currency itself, simply I mean, because it's, you it's can't count that as part of the supply? It's deflationary by nature. And like a lot of bitcoins are lost, so they can't be spent. Um, yeah. So all all that all that does is change the market cap of the of the coin, and the market cap is really kind of insignificant. Um, it it can it can be used to make uh, valuations and predictions and stuff like that, uh, but how valuable those predictions are are are, I, I think they're not that valuable. Uh, okay. For example, one of the metrics people go on when they're trading is uh, the Bitcoin dominance over all the other cryptocurrencies, which I think right now is like 60%. But another guy did uh, in-depth uh, review of that process, uh, discounting a lot of the altcoins market caps because they're overinflated because basically, I mean, anybody can create a coin and start trading it for a certain price and then that means does that mean they have a billion dollars worth just because it's trading at this price no um so so discounting all those bitcoin actually has closer to 90 percent dominance um and uh so that's why uh, bitcoin is so important uh and if you don't go to kitco you can actually use uh, bitcoin to buy gold from other gold dealers with uh, bitcoin yeah, there was I think uh, Roberts and Roberts for a little bit was oh. was selling gold for Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, also, Peter Schiff accepts Bitcoin. As much trash it. as he talks about it. Sure, but that's because he immediately sells it for dollars. But that's fine. I don't care. Yeah, that's I. I think that's, that's the that's, that's the idea that's for the, most retailers. That's the benefit of having of using Bitcoin. You can easily exchange it for digital dollars <laughs> in a bank account somewhere. Amazing, right? It's, it's so bizarre. Again, I, I said this before the article. So bizarre that someone who is utilizing the benefits of the of cryptocurrency can speak so ill about it when it's not even incompatible um, with his with his business, right? It's it's like, oh, can you can you buy gold for dollars? Sure. Can you buy gold with cryptocurrency? Sure. So it's not even in competition with gold. And yet he's. <laughs> oh, it he's is. Got it is such... a competition with gold for sure. You think? Yeah. yeah. Go on, because I don't. Again, I don't see it as in comp- I don't see it as in competition. 
because like I said, in order to diversify, you'll, you'll want to spend some of your crypto on gold, just like you'll want to be liquid in dollars as well. Well, if you're if you were in gold, you also want to diversify into Bitcoin. Yeah, so. that's what I'm saying. So that's I'm so I'm, that's what so I'm saying. Is, they're not. It, it is competitive. They're directly com competitive. But they're not incompatible. No, they're not. It's not. It's not like you can. It's it's the way Peter Schiff says that. The way Peter Schiff makes it out, it's like if you're if you're not if you're in cryptocurrency, you're foolish for not being in gold, right? And yet, uh, the metrics. Well, I, I would I would say if you have a certain amount of cryptocurrency, you're foolish for not having some gold. But okay, um, I I wouldn't say that you should have more gold than crypto. Uh, well, I'm not suggesting that. Yeah, Peter would. Yeah, well, yeah, again, because he's biz bizarrely, man. It's it's hard to say that he's wrong or going to be wrong given his track record, but I I cannot foresee a scenario where this is one of those like Peter Schiff was right five years from now, you know, quotes well, where he the thing is he can he can keep that game going on forever because uh Bitcoin is uh digital uh you know invisible weightless you know magic internet money in its at its core. I mean that's what it is. So he'll so, he'll be the vehement voice against Bitcoin for the next thirty years pushing his goal. Well I mean and then and then what if he's right in thirty years and one second? I mean <laughs> you know, I can't can't predict it. I mean, maybe he thinks he can, but uh, you know. Um, so 2050, we'll have the Peter Schiff was right about Bitcoin video up maybe. on whatever YouTube. I don't know. And what and what will that mean? Will that crash the economy? You know, I don't will, know. Will will so much of the economy be built on Bitcoin? Uh, but see, I think one of the things he he probably doesn't give enough credit to is is the fact that it's. All Bitcoin is is a ledger, a, a public ledger. That's that's what it is, and it's a digitally limited amount of Bitcoin. Um, if it was to break somehow, they still you still have the ledger. You still know where every what how many Bitcoins were in each account at um, that particular point in time. Yeah, and so if if something breaks, okay, you make a better one and you release it and say, okay, we're gonna start right here. Everybody's still got the same amount. Uh, life goes on. Um, okay. I mean, sure, there could be, uh, you know, downtime sometime in the future, um, but there's downtime every day in the banks, or not, I mean, every weekend and every yeah. holiday. You know, it's like <laughs> even at the shopping center, targets yeah. Target went down for like a whole day, apparently. Like yeah. all the registers across all the targets. Yeah, and life life goes on. I mean, yep. shit happens. Um, but yeah, I I I think uh, I I mean I think he's a bear because he's a gold bug. <laughs> That's why. yeah. And I guess I would I would have hoped that he would be more open um, to the idea of crypto, right? Because I I still consider myself to be somewhat of a gold bug, right? Like I'm not against gold. Um, it's just it's out of my price range at the moment, so I don't have. But I, you know, I was I call me a silver bug too because silver was in my price range, and I do have that. Um, and I I would get more if it was yeah. as convenient, you know, as it was a few years ago. Uh, well, and I'm gold's crypto bug. Always, always in your price range. You can get a little card with gold tabs you can break off. Yeah, chip gold is weird. <laughs> it is. I don't. I don't want a little piece of plastic with fucking a gold gram and a cellophane thing. That's just. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. I just. I couldn't. Yeah. Whatever. For so, another day. So there's two ways of looking at it. Like you can look at it as I'm going to buy gold because it's going to make me rich, 
or uh, you know buy gold as a you know store of value. And if if you don't have a lot of value, then it's typically better to look at things that are going to go up in the short term faster. Um, so that's so that's why so many people are getting into Bitcoin just because it hasn't reached you know its ultimate uh, value that it is for the world um, and we nobody knows what that is sure um, gold gold has is, is kind of very established and and it has value in the world because well, for thousands banks, of years you know pretty much all the banks have some of it um, they probably don't have enough to you know back up all the dollars that they have but um, but yeah they, it's it's still you know being held as a uh, asset to uh, uh, make loans against and all that stuff. So it still works. And yeah, and on the always... on an international scene, it's also used as like a a weapon of economic war. Sure. Right. You know, they're pulling their gold out of the country because they're moving it to another country because the trade deals are going wrong. <laughs> it's so bizarre too. <laughs> it, it, but it happens. Like that. I mean, you you look it up because that 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 sounds weird because I didn't get the quote right. I didn't get the headline exactly the way it's written, but that's basically what's going on out there. Yeah, and so. I also think it's weird with with Bitcoin and uh, uh, th- thinking of it being used as as a reserve currency, like, uh, like for all the other altcoins, or either altcoins or for uh, traditional stuff like you know uh, bank accounts, U.S. dollars, or uh, real estate investments, or whatever it is. Sure. Um, in, in the way that like a, a corporation is going to be holding on to Bitcoin and and because because originally it was like bitcoin was like like be your own bank um and now it's being used as an asset by banks so it's it's so so weird um and people are keeping their coins on the exchange like a bank yeah and it's it's good for the price of bitcoin but uh maybe it's not being used right it's like i think bitcoin is best when it's used by individuals uh as as their own bank um and uh yeah i think it's that's i think the way it was meant to be used is is part of the uh success of it and uh and well and i would find out find out the hard way when they when they lose their their crypto keys or you know one of these big corporations gets hacked yeah (laughs) i would also say that the price would have to take a significant tumble for it to reach that use case in the near future you know what people like, are using it as their bank account well their bank as, as, well the bank account and and spending it right like it was you know it was it was one oh, thing yeah, we're not, when the we're fees not, supported yeah i think i think the price will be a lot higher when that happens but but um it's i mean bitcoin i, I mentioned this many times is more like more like gold anyway like a gold savings account sure than a, than a spending account anyway so um so in that way, it's it's more like a, a savings account rather than uh, like a checking account. Yeah. So when I say and bank, I, when I say bank, I don't mean like your what you spend uh, daily, weekly, or monthly. Okay. Because I would say then that well, cause, I mean, I I have a savings account, but I keep most of my money in the checking account because number one, I like being able to access my funds, and number two, right. <laughs> the interest well, is so p- paltry that it doesn't matter. At, at, at this point in your in your life, you're looking for liquidity. Yeah. And once you once you get so much liquidity, then then you go, oh, well, I don't need to hold on to this much liquid funds. 
I'm good now, and then you move some of that into savings. That's what a Bitcoin account would be. Sure. And then I, but but then to have the option to spend, right? Cryptocurrency means I have to move that Bitcoin into an altcoin for for daily transactions if I wanted to stay out of fiat and stay out of the Federal Reserve system. Sure. And there's yeah. going to be, you know, dollar pegged, you know. Facebook Libra you can use. If oh, you want. don't even, we don't even have time. We're running long and we can we can save fucking Libra for for next week. If you really want to talk about it, we can save Libra I, for I'm next week. I'm not mad about it. I don't okay. care. Like more power to him. Go for it, you know. More more powerful, more power to the already powerful. Sure, sure. I mean, it, are they any worse than uh, you know, government printing money? I let them print money too. Let everybody print money. <laughs> sure. Yeah. All right. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to stop right there because I don't want, I, I, you know, whatever. Libra, go for it if you will. If, if you yeah. like Facebook, not, go for it. Not not as a store of value. I'll okay. Bitcoin for that. But yeah. I mean, if you just need to spend money, Libra is as good as anything else. <laughs> In order to keep your Facebook account open and buy ads yeah. on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. All right. Final thoughts? All right. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. You know where to find us, anarchistexperience.com, minds.com slash the anarchist experience. And if you'd like to contribute to the show financially, uh, patreon.com slash the anarchist experience. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll talk to you all next week. Peace.